0: We're so glad to have each of you here and those of you who are visiting with us. You know, I know sometimes it can be, you want to kick yourself and you feel like, what could I have done that so-and-so I invited, they didn't come or they bailed on me or something happened. Don't give up on them. You know, the intent of having a a day like today is um, meant to be a purposeful time in which we place an emphasis um, on specific areas, and in this case, the gospel, and uh, so, you know, uh, but it's not that uh, just because one time didn't work, one time didn't work out, uh, don't give up on them. Keep working with them and keep praying for them. Uh, let them know you missed them and maybe you had plans to get together with them later on. Get together with them still and uh, keep that bridge built. Uh, but boy, if you're visiting with us, we're just, in, we're just so joyed that you've chosen here to be with us and, and uh, we are uh, thrilled that we can uh, worship the Lord together. Um, we are thinking today is valentine's day and you know wednesday coming up here guys hopefully you've already thought of your valentine's day plans you've already maybe bought your gifts to some extent and you know, Valentine's Day and Mother's Day morning is always funny to me because if you try to get fresh flowers, you go in to get fresh flowers, and there's like 20 guys all at the floral place. Does anyone ever experience that too? Okay, when I, in there, when I go in there, and if I go and get flowers, it's exactly what it is, and there's just guys just pouring in and out, you know, and uh, either they're there early before work trying to run something back or whatever it is, you know. And, um, uh, you know, Valentine's Day is that day where we really make an intent to express and to show our love in some fashion uh, towards that significant other, <laughs> our spouse, uh, the, the, our family, the people that we love. And, uh, you know, this is that even... You know, as an adult, it's that further step and should be anyway that further step beyond than when you were a kid and you got one of those little cards that had Spider Man on the front and it said, you know, Spidey loves you too. You know, I love you as well. You know, and uh, no, it's with how much this day and this week can be with an intent to share the love of Christ and let the love of Christ be that focused. Aren't you thankful God loves us? Amen. And when nothing else seems to be going right, we can emphasize upon the love of Christ. We can think upon the love of Christ. Uh, Romans chapter 8 is a verse, these verses are verses I've shared uh, already this week with some. Chapter 8, verse 38 and 39 For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature. Shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Amen for that. Amen. And uh, we know that it's th- what Christ has done for us upon the cross was a very picture of love. In fact, the very meaning of, uh, uh, of the, the very definition of who God is is that He's love. For John tells us in the book of 1 John, in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, the Bible says, But God commended His love, or He showed His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, boy, when we think of anything concerning uh, love, may the love of Christ be that which is preeminent. And, um, boy, it's, it's uh, um, uh, so, sometimes uh, the sharing of our love for a person on earth is, is a hard love, isn't it? And, uh, you know, even for a spouse, sometimes, you know, man, it's been a rough week. It's been a rough week, you know, coming up or a couple days before, and, you uh, you know, um, I know I need to do something, but what do I need to do? You know, and how can I make this right? And how can I smooth things over? And, and uh, you know, the, the one thing that we can say of Christ is uh, um, there's never a question of whether or not uh, is Christ is going to show his love to me today. I hope he does. No, Christ always loves. Is, is Christ going to, you know, uh, how to try to figure out, well, how can I share and express and show my love? No, Christ already has. Christ has already, already done all of that. And, uh, you know, the wonderful thing about Christ's love is it's, we see that we gain that principle of ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. <laughs> Jesus chose to come to us, even in the midst of our sin, even in the midst of our wrong. And, uh, boy, as in any relationship, uh, it's that following of the principle of Christ. I'm choosing to love you, and I'm choosing to to take that first step of love as necessary. You know, maybe God would grant you the opportunity this week uh, to mend some relationships. Maybe God would grant you the opportunity this week to build some new relationships. And I hope and pray, especially, maybe God would grant you the opportunity this week to lead someone to Christ by sharing the, his love with someone. And, uh, you know, what? when we talk about love your church Sunday, um, you know, really... So much of that, uh, the way I see it, and I believe that we should all see it as according to Scripture, is we love our church because of who God has made the church to be. Amen? Amen. Because this is God's church, ultimately. We, we love the fact that we can come together and worship God together. We love the fact that we can uh, come and, and know that, um, that God is leading, that God is directing. And it's the love that we emphasize upon God's church, God's people. You know, if we just emphasize upon the individuals and the things within the church, uh, we're, we're, we'll have a hard time loving, because truth of the matter is, anytime there's people, there's problems. <laughs> anytime there's people, there's struggles, uh, there's difficulties, and uh, the love, when we talk about love your church Sunday, it's loving God's church, the God's, God's beginning of it. Look, how does a church begin? The Bible says where two or three are gathered in his name he is there. Uh, There's a body of believers gathered together. The love and the the beginning of that love and the continuation of that love is based and it continues upon our salvation together. Because uh, a love relationship, uh, as even we would think of maybe the first day that you met your spouse, it's based upon, hey, we we have this in common. Maybe we don't have these things in common, but boy, we really are connecting together. When we think of God's church, what is it that, that we have to love God for? And we love God because he's given us his church. We love God because he's given us his word. We love God because uh, he, he does his work through the church. And um, uh, boy, um, I, I hope that uh, this week will be a, a reminder to you, not just of your love for your spouse or that significant other, but of the love that Christ has for us. Oh, how much that God has given to us that we don't deserve. Amen? And there's so many, so many things to praise the Lord for, to be thankful for, to love him for. And uh, uh, Christ chose to love us first. He made the first move. And uh, I wonder, what can you choose, as we think of things to do for someone else this week, what can you do for Christ that can show and express your love to him in a way that maybe has never been done or has not been done or needs to be done in your life to show, God, I love you, and I love you for what you've done in this way, and this is why, this is why I love you. How can you show Christ your love for him this week? Uh, We've been studying through the book of Mark, and you can't really read in any form of Scripture in the New Testament, especially Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and not catch Even the slightest glimpse of Christ's love. I mean, it's woven all through the Word of God, and Mark chapter two is actually a a uh, a very um, uh, necessary, I believe, an intentional passage that God would have us in for today on Love Your Church Sunday, and that we see Christ's love and and not just for all people, but His love specifically uh, for those that have never come to him. I, you know, the title of a message is simply just that, it's the title of the message. The title of a message for a preacher is intended to be with a, a summary of the whole sermon in one thought, okay? And uh, today the title of the message is brought to you in that of a question, and that is, will you come to Jesus? Will you come to Jesus? I wonder... Uh, in your um, life, do you have a relationship together with him? Let's look together at Mark chapter 2. And um, I know I'm helping Brother Philip here. You've got your slides going there uh, with me, Brother Philip. Mark chapter number 2, verse number 1. The Bible says, and again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway many were gathered together in so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born afore. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was, and when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. And there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why did this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, Arise, Take up thy bed, and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw it in this fashion. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray and ask that uh, you would uh, give us your um, uh, understanding uh, of Scripture today. Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would move freely, and Lord, we ask that uh, your word would go forward with power and understanding. Lord, I pray that if there's someone here today, when this question would be presented to them of coming to Christ, Lord, and they've never come to you, may today be the day that they would choose to begin a relationship together with you. Lord, our intent today is to uh, focus upon your love, and specifically, as we see in this passage, your forgiveness. So Lord, may, may that uh, encourage us and challenge us today. We ask and pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give to you three things uh, that are required for you to come to Jesus. Three things that are required for you to come to Jesus. And the first is, there must be a determination to come. You must first, number one, determine to come to God. Uh, you know, if you look in verse number three, the Bible says, and they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy. That verse, or that, that phrase, sick of the palsy, is mentioned multiple times in Scripture. Uh, It is um, this man who Jesus in Scripture continually mentions, he's sick, he's sick, he's sick, he's sick. And if you remember in the previous chapter, in chapter 1 when we studied together, what has Jesus been doing? He's been healing. He's been uh, doing miracles, uh, lifting um, uh, lame men to walk and and delivering uh, the uh, demons out of, those to whom were possessed. And why did Jesus come? Remember, we, we looked at last week uh, how that Jesus' coming to this earth was not for the sake of his miracles, that others would see his miracles, but rather that others would see why Christ came, the reason for his coming. And so what has Jesus been doing? He's spe- been speaking in these synagogues, and he comes to the synagogue here in um, Uh, had been to the synagogue in Capernaum, and he continues to build a reputation of, hey, this is a man who's doing things which we've never seen. The scribes heard him speak as exhortation was commonly given to those traveling rabbis, and it was to Jesus. And the Bible tells us they were astonished at his doctrine. They'd never heard teaching and preaching as to what Jesus gave within the synagogue. And so, it's all at this time that the scribes and these religious leaders, there's a frustration and an aggravation that's building up in their heart and in their mind. And uh, Brother Philip, I know I'm, I'm, you're, we're working on sound here. Can you get that slide up on here for us? I, uh, we're on that first point, determined to come to God. And you, don't, you didn't get him on today. That's okay. All right. We're, I, I was wondering. I was like, why, why is it not there? And we just we didn't get it on. That's okay. It's not, not his fault. Um, determined to come to Christ. When this man, this this sick man, heard of Christ, there was a determination that I'm going to get there. Can I say to you, it was the same for these men that were with him. We're going to determine to bring this man to Christ as well. Where does the determination to God uh, to come to God come from? Well, I would say to you, first of all, it begins by having godly friends. Maybe you're here today and you just say, "Well, I'm just here because somebody invited me to come." Could I say to you that person that invited you to come? Uh invited you because they're a part of this church. And at what you can see of them, and I can tell you that that's a godly friend. They want you to be able to be a part of their spiritual life and their worship together in the house of God. I wonder, are you a godly friend to people? Are you, are you what's known as that godly friend, that, boy, when I'm around them, I know that they're going to seek to draw me closer to Christ? Think about these, these other men. We don't know their names. Not, there's not a lot of specifics given about them, but they had the same determination, the same faith, the same intent to bring this man to Christ as the man himself did who had the problem. Boy, that God would use us as godly people to bring the lost to Christ. What did these men do? The Bible tells us, and they come into him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. When they could not come nigh to him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. These men didn't just say, oh, well, let's, you know, boy, you're sick. We're just going to pray for you and pray that, you know, God will come to you. No, they said, hey, we're going to bring you ourselves to Christ. These men didn't say, oh, boy, uh, you, know, uh, you know, boy, I'm, I'm busy. I've got things I need to do. I'm not really sure, you know, how it's going to work out. You need to see him. You're right. You need to see him. But, uh, you, know, you know, they were bold to the intent that they said, you know what, we're going to do it, and we're going to go, and, hey, we came there, and here's all these people that are smashed, jam-packed together in this building hearing Jesus speak, and we're going to do whatever we can, all that is necessary to bring this man to Christ. This is that of a godly friend. Everything I can do, even if it means tearing the roof apart <laughs> to to bring someone to Christ. That's what I'm going to do. These are men that had to work together. Could I say to you, this man was not brought to Christ just by him and him alone, but it was by other people in unity together saying, "We're all going to bring this man to Christ." Boy, what a challenge that should be to us as believers and as a church that there, there must be a unity amongst believers if others will be brought to Christ. Can one person do a war? Sure, but well, there must be that unity together and determining to come to God. You know, you're, if you're a Christian here today and you know the Lord is your personal Savior, uh, as, as it is for every time that you come into the presence of God, each day you have to determine that you're going to do it. It doesn't just happen is my point even for your matter of being here in church today. you got to determine, I'm going to be in church. I'm going to come to church. And I'm going to make sure that I'm, I'm coming. I'm going to receive what the Word of God has for me. I'm going to lift uh, my voice up and worship and praise to God. I'm going to make sure that my heart is in the right place. Uh, I'm going to determine to do so. Here we find these men with a determination to come to Christ. And how did, where did it come from? It came from a, a godly friends. Maybe somebody's brought you here today. They brought you uh, because... They desire for you to come to Christ as well. I wonder, will you come to Christ? Will you come to Christ? Maybe you're, you're here today and, uh, you know, uh, you, you say, I know the Lord. I've already received him. I'm not a member here. I'm just here. I've enjoyed getting to know the people here I've been attending here. Are you following Christ? Are you coming to Christ? You see, the principle here is there is an intent to come unto him. Well, I know that's something that God's been working in my heart and just in general, even on these Sunday mornings, having, as I shared with you last week, been intentional with our songs. That's why we've had the theme. We're not just simply doing, but it's, there's a purposeful reason why. It's with a determination. I'm going to have a specific focus in why I'm coming to Christ. So it should be daily for each of us as believers It doesn't just happen. (laughs) It's our choice, our specific effort to do so. And so the same is for leading people to Christ. It doesn't just happen. Boy, may we pray for it. Yes, we need to. But there has to be a unified effort together. Hey, let's all hands on deck. Let's bring people to Christ. Will you come unto him? Will you let God use you to be that godly friend? The Bible tells us of this man that uh, in his determination not only did he have godly friends but he had a repentant heart. You see, the, this man's condition uh, as you would read there seems in what I believe to be an, uh, an implication of, the, of his sickness very likely could have been as a result of something uh, maybe that he had done in the past uh, that led to this. Maybe it was a mistake of his own. Uh, maybe it was a sin that he committed. The general thought that would have happened with many of the religious leaders at this time. If somebody's sick, they would have automatically concluded that anyway, that, oh, if something bad is happening to you, that just means that you've committed some sin and that God's allowed this to take place. We don't entirely know that. But here's what we do know, is that this man, in the midst of his physical sickness, what he did have was a repentant heart. Because Could I say to you, a genuine desire and determination to come to God includes a repentant heart. It's an acknowledgement before God of saying, God, I realize that I need you. I'm a sinner. I don't deserve anything else. I need you in my life. God, I realize that I've sinned before you. Please forgive me of my sin. Aren't you thankful that God forgives? Amen? You see, the wonderful thing about Mark chapter 2 is this is not a passage about a man who's sick of the palsy. This is a passage about the forgiveness of God. Boy, when you consider the forgiveness of God, how can you say that's not love? That God would so love us to forgive us. Oh, what a principle can be learned there. But a repentant heart. Boy, in a determination to come before God, there must be an acknowledgement of your sin. You know, the Bible tells us, Romans chapter three, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. All sin must be punished. The ultimate result of sin is death this man clearly understood that hey i'm no perfect person i'm no better person than anyone else i realized that i my condition before god is sinful and jesus brought to this man even greater than the physical healing of his body he brought to him uh, uh, what uh, was needed in his life and so god works in the very same way today that god brings exactly what we need so long as we come before him with that determination. Yes, godly friends bring us to that point, but also with a repentant heart. Hey, believer, you might be here today, uh, whether you have determined to be here or not, let let me tell you, God can never do a work spiritually in your heart, in your life, if there's not a heart of repentance. In other words, if we're holding on to sin in our life, that's keeping God from doing his perfect work. Titus chapter 3 and verse number 5, the Bible tells us, And we speak concerning those that, uh, um, uh, well, concerning all of us, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Remember, we are not righteous in who we are. We are sinful people in need of Christ. Our attitude when coming into the presence of God should always be with a repentant heart. Repentance when we receive salvation uh, and it is necessary for salvation, but it is not the only time that we are to repent. Repentance is continual. God, forgive me. I've sinned before you. We're not talking today. Maybe there's might be a thought in your mind. while well, I've gone and I've given my confession to a priest. I've confessed that I've confessed before boy, I wish I could say that the moment that, I, that, that you begin uh, a relationship with God that there's no longer any sin, uh, but only until we go to be together with Christ in heaven will be that, that be the case. Until that time, we need him. And we must determine to come to him. Who can bring us there? Godly friends, but a repentant heart. It's our choice to say, God, if I'm going to genuinely be able to follow you, live for you, serve you, obey you, have faith in you, allow you to do your perfect work in my life, and do a spiritual work. What's the miracle here? It's not so much the physical work. It's the spiritual work that was done in this man's life. God forgave him. If we as individuals want God's uh, um, spiritual work in our life, there must be a repentance within our heart, an acknowledgement, an admittance, a turning away from our sin. You're here today, and you don't have a relationship with God. That is to say, you're not—you uh, you don't even quite entirely know what I mean by that. Outside of attending church, understand this much: if you're going to come to Christ, there must be a realization and an acknowledgment of your sin, realizing your need for Him. I'd say to you, secondly, that if we we're to answer this question, will we come to God? There must be a faith, <laughs> a placing of our faith in God. What must we have faith in? We must have faith first that God has forgiven us. Verse 5, when Jesus saw there, there's the plural, not just this man, he saw their faith. He said unto the sick of the palsy, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Let's talk about that forgiveness here for a moment. Forgiveness is the greatest miracle that Jesus ever performed. If you agree with that today, would you say amen? amen. Praise the Lord for that. He has forgiven us of all of our sins. The, the, you may look at your life and wonder how could God ever forgive you. I say to you, God has forgiven you before you've ever even acknowledged your need for him. The Bible tells us in John chapter 3, and verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Would you today choose to have faith in God that he has forgiven you of your sins? I come back to that plural there where the Bible tells us when Jesus saw their faith. These men had clearly at some point in time in life, they had already come to God. They knew what God could do. I don't know that they were Christians. I don't know if they're believers. But they already knew what God could do. Thus led to their boldness. Thus led to their determination. Thus led to their tearing the roof apart and lowering this man down from the roof. Uh, This this, uh, speaks for the faith that each of us as believers must have in what God can do. Faith is not something we see. Faith is believing what God is capable of doing. Faith is believing that God can use the sinner to accomplish his work. Faith is believing that God can save the sinner, even the most uh, given-to-sin individual God can bring uh, to salvation. Have faith that God has forgiven you. Could I remind you today, uh, Christian? God has forgiven you of your sins. What an, what an increased joy and faith that should bring in your life. The Bible tells us we're to have, if we're to uh, come to God, we must place our faith in Him. We must have faith that God's forgiven, but we must also have faith in the reality of the enemy. Have faith in the reality of the enemy. Satan's desire is to keep us as far from a relationship with God as possible. And Satan will use every means possible to draw us from a right relationship with him. The Bible tells us in verse number six, look at what the word of God says, but there were certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? Let's begin with verse six who are these scribes. These are the religious leaders. These are the claim to be believers. And they had now let the work of God, which was like nothing they'd ever seen, they had let the work of God become really a, 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 uh, a hindrance uh, that they were becoming to what Christ was doing. These were the religious leaders. These were the believers that were there. Oh, this is not possible. How, how could God do that? He's done these other things, but it's not possible that God can do that. Only God can truly forgive sins. This isn't God. Who can actually do that? This is the things which they're reasoning together, which they're, which they're arguing together with in their heart. And could I say to you, maybe you're here today and you've never received Christ, you don't have a relationship with him. You may have the thought in your mind, well, God could never forgive me. God, God could never uh, save me well, you don't realize, Pastor, what I've done, the things that I've done in my life, I, I, I don't deserve uh, Christ or his salvation. Let me tell you, none of us do. We all need Christ. It's, all, it's our choice, our decision to put our faith in him, and we must determine to do so, but uh, it is an um, acknowledgment that, hey, Satan's desire is that you wouldn't receive him. Satan's desire is that you wouldn't become to Christ. And boy, could we be reminded of that as well today, believers, that it's Satan's desire that we would not be used of God to bring others to him. It's Satan's desire to bring distractions, to bring a a lack of faith in our spirit. That's Satan's intent. May God not uh, be brought anything outside of glory through our lives. Notice with me number three, that our coming to God, yes, it is a, uh, a determination which we must have. It's a choice to place our faith in God. But number three, it's that choosing to begin now living for God. Verse 8, the Bible tells us that immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Here they're saying, This isn't God. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus proves that he's God just by knowing the intents of their heart. By the way, God knows the intents of your heart. God knows if you're genuinely dis- determining to seek him today. We've, we've emphasized on that focusing on God. The songs today have been about focusing on God. God knows today the intents of your heart and whether your intent has been to focus upon the Lord today or whether there are things in your life that are holding you back from doing so. The Bible tells us we must begin living for God. Notice the Bible says in verse 8, Why reason ye these things in your heart? He proves these God. Verse 9, Whether is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say arise, take up thy bed, and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Jesus says nobody can prove in the, in the physical sense that sin sins are forgiven. But by the very fact that he knows the intents of their heart, he proves that he's God. Arise, take up thy bed. Go thy way into thine house. Can you imagine being there that day? Jam-packed room. Shoulder to shoulder. Back to to chest and chest to back. I mean, people just pressed in. There's not room to hardly even move around. People are probably sticking their heads through the windows, and you got people crawling up on the roof and lowering lowering, uh, lame men down. I mean, this place is full. And then suddenly all this happens. Nobody knows the thoughts of, we don't know the hearts of individuals, only God does. Nobody knows what these scribes are thinking, and Jesus calls them out. You ever been there with, with when, when somebody's called out in front of an audience and you're just kind of like, oh, man, know. you know, just uh, kind of duck down? This, this is probably what's, what's happening here at this time. These scribes are getting called out by Christ. And as he's doing this, proving that he's God, proving that he truly has forgiven the sins of this man, he yet even further heals him. And this man who had clearly earned a reputation for being one who had not ever walked stands up without any hesitation, without any lack, without any difficulty. Then, to prove his strength even further, he bends over, he picks his bed up, and he walks out the room. I doubt there was an aisle like we have here today. There was probably just people just staring. That astonished feeling that we saw of the, of the people in the synagogue in Mark chapter 1 undoubtedly was the same uh, amazement that is seen of the people at this time. Because Jesus has now proven that he's God, but yet even further, shown to the people that, hey, I've forgiven you. I've forgiven you. You're here today, and I don't, I don't know you, I don't, I may not know you. We, we, some of us do, we've got some who are visiting. Can I say to you, no matter what you've done in life, God has forgiven you, God loves you. you See, well, how can you prove that? God can prove that he's real in your life by your choice to put your faith and trust in him. And let me tell you, he will, <laughs> he will. If you're here today and you've never begun a relationship together with God, what is, what is necessary? You must determine to come to him. A godly friend may have been the one who brought you here. You've got to choose to have faith yourself, placing your faith in the fact that God can save me. God has forgiven me. God does love me. And that's why when we talk about Jesus Christ dying on the cross for all mankind, that's where all this comes from, the love of God. That's God's display. That's the whole purposeful reason why. Hey, you've never begun a relationship with him. God desires for you to receive him. Word of God says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not by works of righteousness. You may have been uh, sprinkled. Uh, you may have uh, attended a church. You may, be re- you may read your Bible. Uh, you may have been confirmed. The Bible says it's only by putting our faith and trust in him in which we can spend an eternity together with him in heaven. How can you begin living a life together with God? By putting your faith in him. Acknowledging who he is and all that he's done for you. Believer, this message is not just for the unsaved. It's just as much for us. God's forgiven us. Praise the Lord for that. May we as individuals not be as these scribes and hinder the work of the gospel, but may we instead be as these other men, these friends who brought this man to Jesus. Determining by faith, God is able Do you believe God is able today? Amen? That's the faith we're talking about. God is able. God can bring, God God can do a work in an individual's life that only God can do, and we're talking about that spiritual work. When you say, well, I've got a person that's enabled physically, they can't do a whole lot. How am I supposed to bring them to Christ? It requires that faith, believing in the boldness, and determination to do so, like these men had. I'm not saying you need to go, you know, put them on a bed and you need to walk them in to the auditorium here and bring them to church. You know, bringing bringing people to church is not bringing people to God. say, what? It's not. Now, we come in the presence of God when we come to church. but But the truly bringing people to Christ comes from our individual effort. I'm going to show them the way. I'm going to be the one to direct them to know how to receive Christ. I'm going to let God use me to reach them. Boy, uh, you know, we don't read again. We don't read anything more of these men, but what a joy. What an encouragement. What a thrill that must have been in their heart to see God not just physically heal this man, but to see that man begin a relationship with God acknowledging his sin, putting his faith and trust in him, and God forgiving him right there, verbally, proving he's God, and then walking out of the room. And boy, Christian, what a joy there is when God uses us to be tools in his hands. I don't know about you, that's what I desire to be of the Lord, amen? amen. So much of this, uh, so much of this um, message ties right into our theme for this year, forsake, follow, fish. We've got to choose to forsake. That comes with that determination. We've got to choose to follow. That's where the faith comes in. And the fishing, the bringing people to Christ, is our knowing what God can do through us. And we're trusting by faith for him to do it. So every head bowed and every eye closed.